This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. It is the spring football preview edition. Robin Washett is away doing Robin Washett basketball things. So Steve Sippel and I will uh, carry the show as we get you ready for the start of spring practice. This is spring break week in Lincoln. Coaches, players off. And then everybody will get back to work starting Sunday and Monday uh, with the opening practice on March 20th. They're going to practice SIP four days that opening week. So you get 15 practices. They're going to get four of them done in week one and kind of lay the foundation. Then the week of Easter, uh, which is, the I believe, the the ninth uh, this year, they're only going to practice twice that week. They're going to take, oh, the, yeah. take the Saturday off of Easter weekend. So uh, they're going to do one of those days on week one, kind of lay the foundation. Uh, but here we go. It's hard to believe uh, we're through kind of this long winter and spring practice starting on Monday. Yeah, I mean – It'll be interesting to see what it looks like, although we don't see a lot, right? We don't. And I We're going to get some access. Are we going to get some? Yeah. We're going to get a lot of uh, interview access for sure. Uh, I don't, what have you heard in terms of the beach photo practice? days? And I think that's what people got to understand. Like access means like you get to come in for the beginning. Um, and it typically the a way a practice is set up is you go through stretching, warm ups, and then individuals and special teams is kind of like the latest we'd get to stay individuals like when the D linemen go with the D line coach and they'll work for like 15 minutes mm-hmm. and then they might do like PAT field goal. We could potentially I mean, over the years, that would be as good as it gets. Now, when they start doing inside run seven on seven, um, you know, team offense, we're out of there. Not all the time over the years. If you say over the years, that's as good as it gets. No. I mean, we used to Riley. see all, we used, well, Bill Callahan, we saw every practice, right? For, yeah. His first fall camp in Oh four, every practice was open. Right. Riley, we saw some spring practices. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember Polini if we did. Um, if you go back to Osborne, you saw all the scrimmages, like every scrimmage. You know how many Solich too. You know how many NCAA tournament games I missed on Saturdays covering two hundred plays. Oh, now we don't get that, and I almost hate to say that because people will be like, "Well, how do you, how do you know what you tap? How do you know what you're sources. writing about?" Um, yeah, you type in, you tap into your sources. It was it was a lot better. I don't mind saying when you could watch a two hundred play scrimmage, you knew everything about the team. Uh, you can learn a lot watching that. Now, maybe maybe Matt Rule would let us do that. I don't know if, if that if you can do that in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, besides the red-white spring game, there generally are two major scrimmages in the spring, an early one and kind of a later one. And those are, if you could pick any practices to go to, That's those it. would be the ones. And then obviously in August, they're going to do about two more of those in August. And those are kind of simulation games. I mean, there's four scrimmages that develop your football team usually two in the spring two in the fall yeah so people probably wonder sean why don't they let you watch them anymore well it's a different world control i mean well it's not that so much yeah it is that because it's harder to control i don't know how many people you think would go to practice 35 media members 40 
Yeah, and, I and mean, back then it was five or six. During the Osborne Solich era, you're talking about five or six people. And you could say, oh, limit it. Well, it gets challenging to limit. Limit, it, limit to certain media members? Yeah. How do you draw the line? Or are you like number of people per hour? Well, like, so if we could only have one, like I yeah. think you and I would literally fight. Yeah, we get, would get in a fist fight. To get to go to practice. We would fight. And you know who would win that, Sean? <laughs> South Omaha. <laughs> Always over Columbus. <laughs> You were a boxer. I'm a taekwondo black belt. It'd be a hell of a battle. Yeah, it would. <laughs> It'd be a hell of a battle. Yeah, it would. But they would probably give us two, and then we'd have to fight Robin. Um, although maybe Robin wouldn't want to go that bad. No, Robin would be cool. Yeah. Well, Robin would understand. Abby would want to go, though. Abby, we're not fighting Abby. Greg Peterson would want to go. So, yeah, so you have to decide how you want to do it and um, the, the parameters. I mean, there was a year when under Riley it was open, and I remember there were two fields, and – there were some younger reporters that stood in the middle of two fields. And this one young guy who clearly had never been to a football practice before had his back to a play going on on the other field in between the two fields mm -hmm. and just gets smoked. He got smoked. In the back. See the, see the potential for problems and on that? It was really hard to get Mike Riley mad. That was probably one of two times I saw Mike Riley pissed. Mm -hmm. Two. The other time was at another spring practice where he – laid into the team afterwards. Remember that? Yeah. It was almost freaky. Oh, it was. You're right. And that's the, the, you get to see that kind of stuff. Exactly. And exactly. sometimes they don't want you to see right. how the sausage is getting made. Right. Because there's a lot of people that don't know how to handle that information. Right. I'm and, not really critical of coaches. I wouldn't. I've said this before. I wouldn't let any media in my practices ever if I were a head coach. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't be within 250 yards of my practices. <laughs> So I, I'm not critical of the coaches. I fully understand, but I do wish we could see the practice. Some of my like favorite seeing spring practice memories. I'll never forget Harrison Beck, Bill Callahan liked to let the quarterbacks go live. I mean, yes. they would take the green jerseys off. Zach Taylor was sacked like eight times in a scrimmage by Jay Moore and mm -hmm. Carriker. I mean, yeah, literally sacked. Yeah, I remember he, he came to us and he was like bleeding from the oh yeah nose and. Yeah, so the next spring, he was already established, so Callahan let him keep the green jersey. They took the green off Harrison Beck, and Adam Carricker was going to sack Harrison Beck, just pummel him. Yeah. And and Harrison Beck faked a hamstring injury. Yes, he did. That's right. To avoid the sack. He did. And it was a, a legit. Smart. And he, all of a sudden, Carricker's coming, uh, and he goes, oh, oh, yeah. like a sniper shot him in the back or something. And, and, and just, they I think he feigned it. Yeah, he feigned it. I, he didn't really pull it. He feigned it. He's like, oh. And so, like, did. you get to see stuff like that. Like, you got, I remember we got to see, like, Roy Halou kind of come out a little bit. You know, you, you see some things in spring at those scrimmages that you really need to do your job is right. It, is it possible that Harrison pulled his hamstring on that? He didn't pull his hamstring. Are you sure about that? He might have popped it. No, say. I mean he played in the spring game. Then, then like the night before the red white game, he he was like in a rock band. Yeah, and he, and he played good Friday. He played like Friday night before the red white spring yeah, game. Played downtown. It was a good band. It was a good band. <laughs> you went to the show. No, I, I heard about it. <laughs> I remember Channel Eight did like this huge thing. Then he had to play good. the spring game the next day. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. But you're listening here to the Husker Line Show. So it's spring practice. We'll start up, and, and lots to, to delve into um, as we get into this spring football preview show. We're going to talk offensive storylines, defensive storylines. We'll take questions, and we're going to talk some Big Ten spring as well, as this is going to be a spring football focus show. But 
I'm just more intrigued about Rule. I mean, just how he is getting back into the college game after his time in the pros and, and just what his version of Nebraska is going to look like. Yeah, I don't know. But he, it, what I mean, what it's looked like to a certain degree up to now, which is much more crucial when they practice, um, as he's been very accessible, as we've talked about a lot. But he is. He's accessible, pretty transparent. Um, it's kind of fun so far. It's fun so far. He did say the other day there's no, there's nothing more important than practice. Nothing. Um, that's, the, that's the most critical word in his football vocabulary is practice. Allen Iverson is coming to mind practice. right now. But, but <laughs> I, um, I thought that was interesting, and I, I totally understand why. Um, but, yeah, the, what, the, what the Matt Rule – team is going to look like what it's going to what what's the feel um what's the overall program going to look like we're, we're getting an idea but man there's a lot of we still have a we still have a lot of questions i mean what are, how much are they going to use the fullback you know are they going or is that just kind of a novelty didn't sound like it when when marcus satterfield talked about it during his press appearance his news conference appearance in january it sounded like more than a novelty to me um you know the fact that they're not going to huddle. That's not a not, or they're going to they're going to huddle. That's not that didn't sound like a novelty. That sounds like oh you know. But is the fullback like five or ten snaps a game, or is it going to be like yeah half the offense? Right, that's a good question. I mean, that, See, that, we don't know that, right? Like that and I I can't imagine it being half the off. I I think it's going to be a situational guy they use, like an H back, like a Swiss Army knife player. Yeah, Luke, could be. I mean, well, we could be wrong. You could be wrong. That's the kind of thing we're going to learn, right? After Janovich, you know, Luke McNitt was like the last good fullback Nebraska's had. And yeah. McNitt, you know, he, he had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Yeah. He, he was all right, too. But That's going back a ways. That, well, that was on the Tanner Lee team. Yeah, going back a little ways. Mike Riley. I mean, Mike Riley used a fullback. Yeah, McNitt was legit. McNitt was legit. His family used to come to the Husker lunches out in Kearney. Yeah, in Kearney. Is he, is he from Kearney? Yeah, he's coaching, too. He, he's, um, I want to say he's at Arizona. Like, Division one. I mean, he's Is that right. Yeah, he's he's been doing lots. Of, I mean, he did, he's done coaching now. Good or for he's him. Done playing and he's working on coaching. But all right, when we come back, we're going to talk offensive storylines to watch here um, as we break down uh, what you'll want to know here heading into the spring. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, as we talk spring practice, offensive storylines. And let's get right into it, Sip. Let's talk quarterbacks. Um, I think, obviously, Casey Thompson coming off the shoulder injury, it's going to be hard to really evaluate much of him this spring. Maybe he'll throw a little here and there, but you know he's going to be fairly limited. So, yes, it's going to be a big spring for Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech transfer. But what about Logan Smothers? What about Richard Torres, Heinrich Harburg, Chubba Purdy? There are four other scholarship quarterbacks besides Jeff Sims. And you know I think one of the biggest questions – 
who is we know who the top two probably are. It's Thompson, Sims, pick your poison. But who's the third guy? I don't pretend to know that. Nobody I, knows. Right. It Heinrich Harburg seems to have captured the imagination of the coaching staff. <clears throat> they mentioned Heinrich a lot. They don't mention Logan much. It's almost like Logan I don't know, it's almost like they forgot about him. You just don't hear his name very much. Chuba, you heard it the other day when Matt Rule said that that Chuba Purdy and Heinrich Harburg are among the fastest players on the team in terms of miles per hour. Um, and Heinrich has drawn praise on two or three occasions. So I, it kind of leads me to believe that Heinrich is maybe has the inside track to number three. Isn't it bizarre, like under Mark Whipple, like literally he thought he wanted nothing to do with Logan, Harburg, or even Torres. Mm-hmm. And then he propped up Cynic, and Cynic's already gone. Yeah, it's I mean, sort of bizarre. That's how politics work. Well, you, you pick your people, and that your guys. You know, Chubbo was his guy. Casey was kind of his guy. Yeah, I'd um, bite back a little bit on that, Sean. I don't think it's all politics. They size up guys, and and, and some of it's just personal. You preference. can't tell me Cynic is more talented than those other guys. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though, Sean. Those guys are watching film every single day of every snap, so. If I'm a coach and I'm hearing journalists say, you can't tell me this or that, what do you mean? I mean, they, they, I, I would say, well, how much, how much have you seen our practice? Well, I've seen, I've seen them coming up the ranks and watched them. Right. It just, I, I know the arm talent Torres has, and obviously Smothers, we know the athletic ability. They, they could have drummed up a better game plan to work for Smothers, but he didn't want to do that. Right. Like, if Steve Cooper would have taken over the offense from Mark Whipple when Mark Whipple barely could even mm-hmm. handle himself on the sidelines, mm-hmm. the offense would have looked a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got the Casey Thompson games to Trey Palmer, and that was kind of what captured our imagination of the offense. But other than that, that offense last year was nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't mattered. Probably. But, yeah, as far as who that number three is, hard to say. Um, except it seems like – Harburg's getting some steam. Yeah, which – now, again, it would be nice to see the practices and see what that looks like and not just go on our feeling or what we, what we hear. Um, it'll come down to that largely. But, I'm, I'm, you know, come on, let's face it. Sims can make a big statement this spring because he's going to get a big opportunity. He's going to be with the ones most of the time. Casey's not. I mean, people wonder about Casey. I doubt you'll see Casey in a team setting taking snaps with the offense. He'll be able to throw at some point, according to rule. But is he going to put him out there under center or behind center and actually have him run the team? I don't think you're going to see that. And then Casey, so June becomes very important for Casey. All right, moving down, let's look at running backs. And Megan's got it pulled up here for us. This is the scholarship distribution chart here on the site. Oh, thank you, Megan. Um you look at that group. I mean, running back, Great fairly, group. fairly loaded group. I mean, you it's got the best position on offense, top to bottom. I mean, it is because you could make a case for at least four of those guys: Anthony Grant, AJ Allen, Gabe Irvin, all of those guys, and, and Ramir Johnson. There are four guys there that have yeah. started games at Nebraska. Absolutely. Those. I mean, that again. I, I just reiterate: running back is the best position group on offense. Secondary is the best position group on defense. That is a good group of running backs any way you shake it. Grant's proven 900-plus yards last year. A.J. Allen was headed towards a good year, um, got waylaid against Oklahoma by an injury. Um, Gabe Irvin Jr. is 
is I, I mean, I think he just needs snaps. He's his kind, leadership skills are great. Yeah, he's a he loves the game. Um, and Ramir is a proven player. Um, kind of got sh- he got caught in between positions. Is one of the coaches. One thing that coaches do sometimes is just misuse talent. They put guys at wrong positions. And in Ramirez's case, they had him trying to kind of play slot guy and running back. And I would counsel any kid out there, that if your coach comes to you and says, we kind of want you to try to play both, two positions, I'd say no. No, I'm not playing two. Put me at one. Decide which one. I'll help you decide if you want me to. It's like being a columnist and a beat writer together. It's yeah. hard to do. <laughs> You've done it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, everybody would prefer just – just give give me an assignment and I'll do that, you know. And Ramir Johnson, he just got lost in the shuffle. And then AJ Allen coming back oh, off his collarbone injury, you know that that's one he should be fully recovered from. You know, like that's not a knee. He's Oklahoma, yeah, it's yeah, a long time ago. They were able to keep the four game redshirt on him, so that was that's going to be fun to watch because you're going to have a lot of new eyeballs on these backs that have never worked with these guys before. Oh, absolutely. Um, AJ Allen, you wonder if he can just win the job, just flat win the job. He was, he was, he had moved to a point last year, Sean, where I thought he was on even terms with Anthony Grant. Then, then the injury, his shoulder popped. Yeah, so right. I don't know. I think he, uh, I'd watch that one pretty closely. All right, let's look at the receiver sip um, as you as you scroll down here and and look at these guys at receiver. You know, I think that 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 group of seniors there, Marcus Washington, Josh Fleeks, Billy Kemp. I mean, if you were to say starters, like those three guys are probably the starting group. Alante Brown, not here, um, but could be back in in the summer. I know he's working to get back here. He's got a, a situation that's not football related that he's getting sorted out to get back. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda is back after he kind of Things kind of went south with him and, and the previous staff, but now he's back with Matt Rule. Then you got Xavier Betts, who's had a really, really good spring, um, winter. So, like, all of those guys, I think, could be a factor. I'm not. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good group now. Sean Hardy, I don't see him being a factor. Victor Jones, we don't know much about him. I mean, and then Janiron Bonner, you know, is he, the, you know, we don't know much about him. And, and he had that gruesome leg injury, redshirted last year. Yeah. Um, then you've got six freshmen, and none of those guys are here right now in that freshman group. Right. So that so you're right. Marcus Washington, Josh Fleeks, Billy Kemp, they could easily be your starters, but not. it's not hands down. Garcia Castaneda could Betts. push for that. Betts could push for that. So – um, but those are the, yeah, those would be the main guys. I think you'd you'd like to be a little deeper there. I mean, I, well, look at those freshmen. Um, you know, can one of those guys like Malachi Coleman or Jaden Doss? Can somebody like that get some snaps next year? I mean, that those would are be, the two that you'd bet on, right? Right. Malachi Coleman, Jaden Doss. Demetrius Spell's pretty good too. I mean, they're Jeremiah Charles and Jalen Lloyd and Bryce Turner. I look at them as more developmental guys that you got to develop. I mean, they they all have speed and other intangibles, but they, they need a little bit more development. Well, I'll tell you what, too. I mean, as you sit here in your comfortable chair, and it's March 9th, and we talk about maybe a freshman playing, it sounds it sounds nice and comfortable, but it's not when you put them out there against Michigan. And Michigan's early. I mean, you put them out there, well, okay, under the lights at Minnesota. You don't want a guy who you're not sure about. <laughs> I mean, what, if you're, you're trying to win the game at Minnesota – you can't have guys that you're not quite sure about. But 
sometimes you got to go that way. But, man, I mean, Marcus Washington, critical. Fleeks is about your age, Sean. He's critical. Um, Billy Kemp, critical. Those guys are proven. Garcia Castaneda is a man. He's a grown man. I mean, that's the guys you need out there. All right, tight end. Um, you look at that group. I think it's Fedoni with Arik Gilbert being the wild card. We don't really know Chris Hickman's status. Uh, that wasn't updated oh, yeah. by Matt Rule. Um, is he still on the roster? He's still listed on the roster. So huh. he hasn't been doing winter conditioning from my to my knowledge. A.J. Rollins, James Carney, Brody Tagaloa, Chase Androff. Can those guys – though? Then, then you've got uh, Borkature. Yeah, thank you for listed remembering Listed as a walk-on. Yeah. Um, He's very proven. Uh, Brody Tagaloa will not be involved in spring drills. Because of injury. God, he's been hurt now then two years in a row. Yeah, he'll, he's out. And he was hurt as a senior in high school, just so you know. Okay. He's out. He's In fact, he's the only – oh, I guess Teddy Prohaska and, and Brody Tagaloa are the only offensive players that we know that are out. Elbow injury on Tagaloa. That's a good group of tight ends. Um, as long I as Fedoni peaks right. Yeah, and, and we'll see what they get out of Gilbert. I, I mean, those guys are big-time talents. Um, they're, they are both kind of – God, I hate to say it, but they almost, they're both kind of wild cards. But, man, if you, if you go to Minneapolis for that first game and Fedoni and Gilbert are, are your top two tight ends. Hello. Yeah, that, that's big time, man. And they potentially each could have three years at Nebraska. Oh, man. I mean, and who knows? If they peak right, they might only be your two. But you're going to get these guys for two to three years each. Yeah, I don't know what Gilbert brings exactly, except – at LSU in 2020, he caught 35 passes for 489 yards. In a shortened season. For 389 yards. Yeah, in a sh- yeah, yeah. But he was – they liked him. He was freshman All-American. Yeah, well, SEC, he, SEC, yeah. So SEC. when he transferred to Georgia, he was a third-team preseason All-American. Yeah. I mean, that's, how, that's what – I mean – Oh, he's all, a big-time talent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, I know – I mean, Bill Bush coached him at LSU, and he said the coaches there were – they were like, this guy does things naturally, like some guys we've, like few guys we've ever seen. So that's a big time talent if you can get him going. Fedoni, the same way. Fedoni could be a big time field stretcher. I mean, what, that's why I see Fedoni with his speed and size. I mean, hitting him up the seam a lot. Uh, he'll, be a, he'll be a handful. And then finally, offensive line as we move down, yeah, uh, kind of previewing that line. Uh, Prohaska out for the spring. We know yeah. that. Um, but looking at that group, you know, what's Ben Hart's role? What's Corcoran's role? Uh, where's Piper at? Is Newellen back at left guard? Ben Scott, is he a center like we thought coming in? Mm-hmm. Latoski. I mean, they've got a core of guys there. Uh, Gunnar Gatula is here as a true freshman as well. Um, but, you know, there's just a lot of um, interesting things there, that offensive line. But without Prohaska, it's very uh, incomplete picture right now. It is. Um it's the same guys, we, it, it, generally speaking, that we talk about all the time, except, as you mentioned, Ben Scott, the ASU transfer, who we figured was earmarked for center, although that um, was kind of – that notion was cooled a little bit by Donovan Rayola recently, who said Scott could play anywhere on the line. And if you think about it, Sean, I mean, he, he started – 13 games at right tackle at Arizona State a couple years ago. He could help you at tackle. The guy that I that really intrigues me is Justin Jenkins. Um, can Justin Jenkins make a move in those like the, at the center position is what I'm guessing you'd where you'd see him. 
Um, just a kid. Red shirt, I've heard freshman. nothing though that would lead me to believe he's a factor. I, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, do you, you got something there that leads you to believe like that we should be watching him? No, but I, I don't have anything that leads me to believe we shouldn't. Um, I don't know that how people ask about him. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of someone asking about a kid, and there you go. There's his name. It's out there. But I don't think anybody asks about Justin Jenkins. Um, I like his physicalness. I like. I know he's small, but he's a center. Um, he's short in stature. Well, and Riola's so um, closed on stuff. Like, it, he's not going to offer yeah, out yeah. much. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm just interested in him. Um, and we don't, we don't know what that line's going to look like, but we do know the principles. That's the thing. We know these guys have been around now three and four years. We know them really well. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk defensive storylines. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple. Let's talk defensive storylines. That was a great conversation, Sip, on the offense. Oh. As uh, we covered a lot of ground there. Um, I think my biggest question still at the offense is how these positions will be defined under Tony White. Oh, defense. Um, you know, defense. When, you, when you talk about the defense, yeah. yeah. You, you just go down and, and kind of look at just the D-line. And I still have the scholarship distribution chart as the previous staff. So, there you know, go. what's a D-lineman? What's an edge? You know, is there nickels? Like, how will they kind of define roles? But I, I think let's start D-line. Yeah, start with the D-line. With, and let's call it 280-plus-pound bodies. And that, It's that, light on numbers, too. And uh, Look at it. I mean, just look at the chart, Sean. We're banking on Stephon Wynn Jr., Nash Hutmacher. Ty Robinson's out for the spring. The transfer, Elijah Judy, a Philadelphia kid who is tough, but, you know, he hadn't played at A&M. Um, Ed Foley really spoke highly of him at St. Michael's that night. Said he's a neighborhood kid. He's a tough Philly kid. Elijah Judy. Um, so they're excited about him. But Ruquan Buckley, kind of an unknown. Unknown. Cameron Linhart is here right now. So that's a promising sign um, that you'll get some reps with him in spring ball. But you know that freshman group. I like Van Poppel. He's just you know he's not here. Carol Jackson potential. Lafatu potential. But you know you, you don't know what those guys have. I mean. They really might have to go to the portal for one more, you know, rent, rent a player almost. Absolutely, like Sean. Stefan Wynn slash um, what's Drew Devin Drew last Devin year. Devin Drew gone, yeah. So now here's the deal. When I look at this chart, what what I wonder about is now they're talking about like a real football game for the spring game. Those that's, those numbers are awfully light for that, Sean. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, there's there's just not a lot there to work with. No, unless they have s- some. Are they thinking of moving somebody? I don't know. It's not not like they're loaded down with offensive linemen to move either. So I mean, look at how light that is. Hutmacher has a lot to prove. Win Junior was sufficient last year. I would say he was. Sufficient. I mean, he it is what he he is what he is. Like he, they they basically got a guy that could give them quality snaps, and he did. I mean. There were a couple moments where he made plays, but it wasn't like he changed games. No. Robinson, again, not he's not participating this spring. So, it's again, light. Ruquan Buckley flat told me last summer he wasn't ready. Now, hopefully he got himself ready, right? Buckley just said, I'm not, I'm not ready to play yet. Now, this was, that was a, a year ago. So, hopefully over the course of a year – 
he's gotten himself ready to roll. Yeah, and I, you know, we both were on a high horse about the the Colton Feast leaving was a big deal. And <laughs> we I mean, were, I, I still, we were on a high horse. It, it's I believe your co-partner, former defensive coordinator Bill Bush, same thing. I mean, oh, yeah. like Colton Feast would have helped this team. Oh. And yeah, I, I just you wish they could have worked it out. I know. I'm. Kind I, of I don't surprised. know what happened there. I really don't because Colton could have helped this team this year. But may, maybe a new staff year one. They they want to go in a new direction. So, so yeah, Len Hart, <laughs> Len Hart could be very valuable this spring. But it just all you got to do if you're watching this is read that chart. They're light. That's now. That's one thing I've been saying since December is they need numbers. Up front, they didn't really get pound it. plus bodies. Yeah, and they didn't really get it. That's that's the one thing I'd say about their talent acquisition on both sides of the line. They, I don't think they did a great job on either side of bolstering it because it's hard. Well, it is hard. I mean, trying to find. I mean, it's 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 really difficult to find quality linemen in the portal. Yeah, because there's just not that many six four, three hundred and ten pound guys I walking mean, around. Everybody here. wants those guys. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you go to Super Saver, how many guys do you see there are 6'4", 300 that can move? <laughs> Zero. You might see guys that are 280, but they can't move very yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's move down the line here um, on the defense here as, as we move through. Um, you got linebackers and kind of edge. And we know the inside linebackers, um, Nick Henrich is out for the spring. Yes, he is. Um, but we know what he is. We know what Luke Reimer is. But what we do know is those guys have – been injury prone, Steve Sipple. Yeah, and what we don't know is MJ Sherman. Like, what is his true yeah. role? Now, he told me they're going to move him around. Mm -hmm. So, could he? He could help. I think in this three-three-five Tony White world, he's just a movable matchup part where they're mm -hmm. going to move him to the edge, the linebacker, all over. And that's what we don't really know. When I talk about defining positions right now, where do those guys fa factor in? Right, we don't know. There's critic others. The inside linebacker picture is really interesting. Yeah, you know it's Reimer and Hedrich. You, as you as you stated, Sean, they're both injury prone. Reimer, I think, is the best player on defense, though. When he's healthy, I don't think they have a better defender than Luke Reimer because of what he gives you sideline to sideline, right? Sideline to sideline player. Oh yeah, it's just you know his he's all over. His body just has kind of struggled. Well, now what I would tell you about that is they're both a little undersized for the Big Ten, so that's why. That's why it's hard to stay healthy. They all like Nick's not the world's best athlete either. So there's a lot of strain he's putting on his body all the time, right? Because he's not as naturally gifted as some guys physically, he has to strain. And that take that can take a toll, especially when you're a little undersized. Now the guys that you really watch here, Garrett Snodgrass is a junior. Then you have those sophomores that it's time nothing. now. It, but it's time. Randolph Kapai, Micaiah Gaber, and Seth Malcolm. Time. Got to go. You got to start. They got to start working themselves into a position where they can go in a game and be not just stopgap players, but they can make plays. You got to have guys that can make plays. Yeah. And, and if they don't put themselves in the conversation this spring, you just wonder what is their long term outlook in this program? Well, it's, a fa it's a fair question. Fair question. Yeah. Um, as, as you look forward to. To, to this team, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, you'll have um, the freshman, Maverick Noonan. We're talking about edge guys now. Edge guys, but yeah. But Noonan will be here. Uh, Princewell, Emmanuel, will be here. Okay. So those are two guys that will be here this spring mm -hmm. 
that we'll get a c- clear picture. Jake Applegate. I, I love Jake Applegate coming out of high school. As a guy you watch now, you start watching that. Will he, will he factor in this year? Um, and there's another Applegate, by the way, at Southeast as a freshman. So like th- that family just keeps growing football players. And I, think, I believe he's the youngest of the, the crew. Uh, Blaze Gunnerson, Jamari Butler, Chief Borders, Kai Whalen. You got four edge guys there. Are some of those guys defensive linemen type guys that can play at least defensive end? Well, I will tell you this: not Jamari Butler's not big enough to go into the interior. Now, see, if they're playing now, if they're this is a, it gets to be a little bit involved. If they're truly in a three-three-five, you obviously don't need as many defensive linemen, big defensive linemen. Um, so maybe that's what kind of they're banking on. I don't know. I'll tell you what. Butler and Gunnarsson are gigantic. They were they were sufficient last year. They got to be better than sufficient. Um, Chief Borders, unknown. Kai Walling, unknown. Uh, Sherman, largely unknown. A lot of unknown, but a lot of I would say a lot of potential. It look that it when I look at it, I I'm I'm not really I don't have. Me- Major concerns, except I would say this. Those guys, they lost. I mean, they lost a second-team All-Big Ten player in Nelson. Yeah, in Nelson. Tanner. And they lost a second-team All-Big 12 player in O'Shawn Mathis. O'Shawn Mathis. Oh, you're talking about O'Shawn Mathis, Big 12. second-team All-Big 12, you know, in in his previous life. Um, And then they lost Caleb Tanner, who played. Five years. Yeah, played five years and played 56 Well, and Ernest Hausman. Yeah, and lost Ern- yeah Ernest Hausman as an inside pretty dang guy. good football player. Yeah, they yeah they those four guys that that's that's those are pretty significant losses. O'Shawn Mathis, say what you want about him, he got invited to the combine. Garrett Nelson w- should have gotten invited to the combine. You were talking about him like he could make an NFL roster, and Caleb. I, now listen, Sean, I'm going to tell you something about Caleb Tanner. Don't be surprised if he's on an NFL roster next year. Played out of position at Nebraska. Played with his hand down at 220, Sean. Play with his hand down at 220. He's not going to play with his hand down in the NFL. They're going to make him. An, they'll make him an inside linebacker, maybe a Sam. Um, and I bet he makes a roster. I, I know that's going out on a limb, but I'm just illustrating what they lost, which is quite a bit. They lost quite a bit there. Now, MJ Sherman could really answer a lot of questions and, and help shore up some things. He's a, he could be a difference maker. Oh yeah, they need him to be a difference maker. Be, yeah. They not could need. That in the cut question was. With MJ Sherman, has he regained? You know, he suffered a knee injury in high school. And the question at Georgia was could he ever regain all his explosiveness? Now, that's what you watch. How, what's, what's the explosion look like? You know? All right. Lastly, secondary. And I think we both agree that this might be the deepest position. No, we do agree. Um, Isaac Gifford, starting level player. Javin Wright has played snaps. You go uh, down Nick, the line. Yeah. Um, Tommy Hill has been a starter. He's back at um, defensive God, got back. Got a lot of guys here. They're good. Uh, Quentin Newsom, longtime starter. Um, Tyreek Johnson, not a factor. Uh, Braxton Clark has played some. Omar Brown, but then you got Miles Farmer and Marquise Buford. I mean, you've got a lot of material, and then obviously the the, the young um, freshman from a year ago at, at corner, Malcolm Hartstock. Yeah, and you heard Evan Cooper tell us on this show that he's coaching Quentin Newsom like he's an NFL player right now, okay? Quentin Newsom's going to play in the NFL. So you got an NFL corner. You heard Evan Cooper effusive in his praise of Malcolm Hartsock. He said those are the tough, tough kid, fast, ball hawk. He said those are the kind of – he said of Hartsock, 
Those are the kind of kids you need to win. Their corners are good. Tommy Hill back at corner. So so that Tommy Hill gets beat out by Malcolm Hartsog last year. Could he play safety though? I suppose, yeah. I mean, I think that's what we like yeah, we asked could. Evan Cooper this on the Husker Headline show a couple weeks ago and he's like he's a defensive back. That, see, I don't know if you're if you're Tommy Hill, I don't know where you want to make a run at it. Could you make a run at it corner um getting your old job back? Or do you dip into that safety pool, which is pretty deep? It's a deeper pool at safety, Sean. Um, I mean, look at who they got back at, at safety. Farmer Buford. Farmer Buford leads leads the well, way. And th- there's some wild cards there, like Kanoa Paul Gates, like with a fresh start via factor. Deshaun Single. Deshaun. What about Kane Williams? Yeah, Kane Corey, Williams. Corey Call. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's some tough decisions on that back I think end. There, I think there will be. I, I like Farmer. I mean, I really like the way Farmer started tackling in the box. He went from sort of a suspect tackler to a really good tackler in the box. Sure tackler. So we're going to be talking lots of secondary here over the course of spring because there's definitely some intrigue with that group. All right, when we come back, Abby Barmore is going to join us. We're going to take your spring football questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Abby Barmore joining us here on this special spring football preview edition of the show, which means we have a spring football mailbag. Abby, what do you have? We have a lot of questions today. So our first one is, who is the best player on either side of the ball right now? Luke Reimer on defense. Um, it's, I think that's pretty defined. You, you could make a case for Quentin Newsom. Okay. Make I, I'm, I, I'm with you on that, yeah. Absolutely. And maybe Ty Robinson. Yeah, I'd say. On value. Yeah. No, you got him. You got the two. Um, Luke Reimer and Quentin New- I'm glad you threw in Quentin Newsom, especially in the context of Evan Cooper. Who are you taking to Big Ten media Hold days? on, hold on. Especially in the context of Evan Cooper saying he's training him like he's in the NFL right now. Who do you take in a Big Ten meeting? That doesn't always tell you who the best is. Is Newsom going back again? It is red. Good, Gary. I, I, no, I'm a huge. I'm a huge Newsom fan. I, I mean, huge. I think he's a good corner, um, and he's an intent corner. He's a, and he's a good leader. He's a leader by example. He does everything extra. Um, you should, if you're a Nebraska fan, you should feel very lucky that you have those two corners, Newsom and Hartsog. Offense is a very tough question. Who's now? I'm going Grant, Anthony Grant. You got to top it. I don't try. Who's better than Anthony Grant? Well, based on his production at a Power Five program, Billy Kemp. Okay, he's had bat, he's had Fair. two seventy-plus yeah. yard reception seasons, which would be. Uh, two of the best in Nebraska's program history. That's fair. So, like, if you're just going off what he did before. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he was nicked up and had the tragedy with his friends oh, last year. No, that's a fair. You, you can't look at last year for Billy Kemp because of the tragedy and then some of the situation with his injury there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the previous two years before that, he was a record-breaking receiver. Yeah, he that you might have taught me on that one. That Kemp – now, I would say, I mean, Grant – Billy Grant's more of a pure football player, although Kemp's tough. I mean, he's a tough kid. Little, though, and he doesn't break a lot of tackles. That's Jeff Sims' stats are pretty good, too, as are Casey's. I mean, yeah, right. you can make a case for Casey for sure, and Sims. You're right. I, yeah, Grant is a suspect pick. It is. You might have taught me with Kemp. Thank uh, you. What do you have next, Abby? What non-returning starters do you think will emerge during spring ball and be talked about as potential big contributors in the fall? AJ Allen. 
A.J. Allen. I think A.J. Allen could <laughs> – this is embarrassing. Um, I think A.J. Allen could overtake Grant, who I just said was the what best player. What about Xavier Betts? Don't laugh, Abby. Um, what about Xavier Betts? Oh, I long shot on that in that in that conversation. Like you don't Although, think- no, no, you're right. As a, as a guy that plays. emerges as a non-starter. Yeah. He wasn't on the team last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we get a chance to talk to Xavier, it'll be interesting what he tells you. Like, what, what did he do for the last year? Yeah. Oh, another guy that you'd look – he did start a few games or one is Latovsky. Um, Henry Latovsky, I think, is going to be a very good, very good offensive lineman before he leaves here. Blaze Gunnerson. Yeah, Gunnerson, Butler, they're two guys on defense that you wonder about. Um, maybe could make that make that big jump, but I think we covered that. Well, and just based on kind of the moment, Omar Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, thank you for saying that. Looked like he had a pretty good winner. I mean, yeah, he's carrying 6'9", I mean, 330-pound lineman on his back. Right, and back issues have held him back. Now, and now he's carrying <laughs> – Teddy Prohaska on his back. thinking about the back. Uh, no, it's an incredible. The back injuries he suffered, and he's scaring Teddy Prohaska. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Thomas Fedoni's a big one, too, that you guys are missing. Yeah. I think we're just assuming he's going to start, though, because mm-hmm. he's been hurt the last two years. Like, Yeah, I think that's a big one, last year. I mean, what I hope. Oh, he's hurt last year. Yeah. What I hope for Nebraska fans' sake and for Fedoni's sake and for Satterfield's sake is that he is what we think he is which is a guy that could be like an all-Big Ten type. Okay, I got to hold off on a little bit on all-Big Ten coming out of a the gate. A difference maker. Yeah, a difference maker coming out of the gate, yeah. Five players to pay attention to this spring. Jeez. I'll say MJ Sherman. Yeah, we just got to name all the portal guys. Um, well, MJ Sherman and Arik Gilbert, I think, are up there. How about Fedoni? You got to say Fedoni. Fedoni. You got to say Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims. Okay, where are we at? That's four. four. Um, Elijah Judy. I'm saying Elijah Judy because they, they, they need, need him, him to be good. Oh, my God, they yeah. need that guy. Yeah, Judy. I don't know that if I were a coach, if I were Tony White, that I would say that to him explicitly. But he might. I, I, and I would probably be subtle in showing, displaying to him the urgency with which they need him to play and play well immediately. I don't think you say that to him, like, hey, look at our depth chart. My God, we need you bad. I wouldn't do that, but uh, I'd, I'd be a little subtle about it. Well, they have a pretty good read. Number one, he's a Philly guy. And number two, he played at A&M for a former Matt Rule assistant coach. Yeah, we don't know much about So they, they have a good read on what they got. They got a good read. I wish to God we could watch a scrimmage and see what that looks like. Next question. Do you think we'll see many true position changes this spring? Undetermined. I mean, I I think it'd be really premature for us to start saying, "Oh, this guy's going to move to here and that guy's going to move to there." I think they don't even know. They need to probably see it and what they have before those decisions are made. But you know, when would those position moves happen? And how profound? I mean, how big is the change? Is it just a corner going to safety, or is it a guy switching sides? Other the than ball? like Cody Glenn going from running back to linebacker. Like, what have been some of the other real successful ones over the years? I don't know. You don't even see it very often. But the Cody Glenn one. That was huge. I mean, like. <laughs> that was huge. That was like when Bo Polini was in his defensive prime. Just like, yep, linebacker. Yeah, they switched Eric Martin, too, from from like a, a stand-up linebacker to a rush-in defensive And he had end. like ten sacks. Yeah, eight and a half. He had eight and a half sacks. That Eric Martin back, I want to say 211-ish. 
Um, he was all Big Ten. Yeah, Eric Martin was an, was one they switched up, uh, but you don't see it. You don't see it very often um, at this level because those guys have pretty defined roles. They recruit them to have defined roles. Um, next question: What position group will you be paying the most attention to this spring? Ooh, there's a question. Quarterback? No, 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 no. I won't play. Quarterback's obvious, though. I feel running back. I always pay attention to running back, but that Allen, AJ Allen, Grant. Um, Ramir Johnson, Gabe Irvin, all that, those guys battling that hard. And then then does somebody come out of there and say, you know, I'm just going to get lost here and I'm, I'm out. That You wonder about that because they are so deep there. So that's what I'm watching. That's what I'm really watching. On defense, yeah, on defense I, I, I just want to see, like, how they define these parts and these roles because there's so many undefined pieces to this defense because of the scheme change. Yeah. Hey, would you counsel people – not to get too hung up on where a guy's playing. I mean, I knew, I know, I understand what you're saying, but don't get like I don't know that it'll be always so defined who's playing where because they're going to move guy, a yeah. lot of guys around. I mean, it's kind of chaos what yeah. they do. I mean, they're going to move people around to create chaos. Yeah, you want to say who's your nickels? Well, in some situations, it would be player X, and others it might be another player. All right, Abby, I think we have time for uh, one more. All right, our final question. Over your years of covering Nebraska football, who has been some of the players that have emerged the most during the spring and made a big impact in the fall? I'll throw one out first. I know you got a really good one, Sip, but my, my one on this, I'll say Roy Hallou. Um, when Bo Pelini got here in 08, it just kind of was assumed that Marlon Lucky was going to you know, be the guy. He had a 1,000-yard year in 2007. And, you know, like five-star recruit. And so they got, they got a returning 1,000-yard back. Well, the new Pelini staff with Tim Beck run, running the running backs room and Sean Watson still there, um, they really fell in love with Roy Hallou. Yeah. And I think in 2007, you would have never have known that Roy Hallou was going to be what he became the next couple of years to then become an NFL running back. Um, but you saw Roy Hallou in the spring of 2008 take the starting running back job from a back that a thousand yards the year before in Marlon Lucky. I totally agree. Um, that's a good one, Sean. And I, the guy I really remember, Stuart Bradley, was a kind of an unknownish walk-on, but a really good-looking player. I mean, he was a big, big, long linebacker and had a huge spring game just hit the crap out of oh you. god did he hit the crap out and then he became a good nfl player but the, he was lost and then all of a sudden in that one spring which i don't even remember exactly what year it was 2002 or three okay yeah three 2003 spring. you're right Bo Pelini's first spring sean's sean's got a freaky memory and you remember that spring game he put a wallop on somebody near the goal line and he emerged. But like, it, was it was like, like threes on threes. It wasn't like right. ones on ones. But he was, and when the twos and the threes were out there, he was just crushing guys. He was. And then he got good. I mean, he was became an NFL player. And then, okay, the all-timer, though. The all-timer, numero uno Abby on the list is Zach Taylor. One of the biggest stories in the spring that's ever happened in the last 20 years here. Right? I mean, that, that kind of like started his rise 2005 it did start his rise to where he's at today i mean the Absolutely. perseverance the toughness he took in a live scrimmage in 05 like eight or ten sacks in a scrimmage yeah he was and getting whomped. he had the flu yeah and they let it go i mean it they, they a, let him play it was a three and a half hour scrimmage and they didn't put green on i mean he was not in green right uh no 
And remember, he interviewed us. He, he interviewed them with the media afterwards, um, as did Bill. And Bill made it clear, boy, Zach Taylor. I mean, Bill was effusive in his praise of Zach, the way he ha- his toughness that day. That's a great point, Sean. That was since spring of 2005. And that was sort of the start of the emergence of Zach Taylor. He ran, it was like a 180-play scrimmage. Yeah, he was... You know, a normal scrimmage is like a hundred. That's a good, and so it was like the length of two scrimmages, and the offense was so bad in '04 with Joe Daly. It just mm-hmm. they couldn't do what Bill wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That finally they were doing it with, and like it was exciting. Like he did not want that practice to end. It was an exciting time. Like I, we sat right. in the bleachers, right? And it was like we got over there at like ten. We didn't get out of there at like two. No, it was an exciting little time in Nebraska football history it was and that 2005 team was all right i mean they, that's the team that went to the alamo bowl they beat michigan and beat michigan they, and zach was call, good they kind of ended gary barnett's career at colorado i mean yeah. then gary barnett got beat by vince young in the big 12 title game and he got fired and then of course in 2006 zach was the big 12 player of the year and they went to the cotton bowl went to the big 12 championship game and one of the most memorable games of that i've covered at arrowhead when they had a great chance to beat oklahoma i mean it wasn't like Oh, Nebraska! There's sixty thousand Nebraska fans there. Yeah, it wasn't like Nebraska's happy to be here. They, they, they are. They, God, they just couldn't get it done. The red zone. They couldn't get it. They couldn't get it on the other. When they got to the other side of the field, they couldn't get anything done. That grass and Arrowhead. It was like concrete. It was so cold. I mean, yeah. It was just a frozen. There was no. It was just. I'll never forget that. And how everyone that went to that game tells me still to this day. And we were there. We were in the press box. Uh, but how cold it was. What am I talking about, by the way? Did you remember the game? What I'm talking about is it seemed like Nebraska. They were across the 40 like the whole game. And they just couldn't get anything done. Like not They, they were in like Oklahoma territory. Yeah, a lot. And they were in this like purgatory between the 30 and the 40. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And So not red zone, really. They couldn't get in the red zone. They're fringe, zone. and they didn't have a kicker. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Jordan Congdon could right. make like 30-yard field goals, so that was it, you know, right. and – yeah, he, he was a he was an accurate short. You had kick. Alex Henry, by the way, on the sidelines that year, red shirt and just hanging out. You know, yeah. they they could have just played Alex. Henry. That was a crushing loss for Bill. He he took it really hard. Well, the Cotton Bowl too. They were up fourteen yeah. to three, and they had control of that game. Yeah. And they had control of the Oklahoma State game that year. Yeah, and they had, they should won. They should have won the Texas game. Terrence Dunn fumbles a first down that would have won the game. Yeah, they had three losses or five, four losses that year that all could have been wins. USC was the one that obviously they lost by, was it, I think they lost by 18 points, 28-10 yeah. um, in, in L.A. Um, but the other four losses that year, they could have won all those games. Now somebody on our one of our listeners might say, Sipple, come on, you can't remember anybody from the, from the Osborne era? I, I, there's, there are probably guys that really came on in the spring. I just can't remember. There just weren't as many surprises I felt like back then. Like you just kind of knew those teams so well. Yeah, that's part of yeah, that's part of it. Um, it was hard for like freshmen to play back then and young was. guys. I mean, you had to be an older guy. Mm-hmm. Like that's why when Amon Green got here in '95. He got here in August, right? It, yeah, it, it was summer. kind of an anomaly that he played that much. I mean, that was not common. No, it was very memorable. And it took though. like Lawrence Phillips, you know, with his legal situation and other things that happened for him to get on the field. You remember it though? I remember them practicing on the grass fields um, north. Now, I so would have been, been in northeast. ninth grade in '95. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I remember. See, Sean, just to just I want to illustrate something we talked about earlier in the show about watching practice. Here's how it went back then. It was August, and it was 
he was working with the ones, and I was like standing on the field. I, I don't know, like Frank let us be out there for a, for a period or something. I'm like, uh, that's Amon Green working with the ones. Yeah, I he mean, was the real deal. Yeah, he was. And then, but I do remember Frank telling us, look, you guys can't be here this early. Um, but we used to see a lot. We used to see a lot more than we do now. A lot more. Or you'd go once a week, too. There'd always be one day a week you'd go yeah. and at least eyeball the team. Yeah. And that, that's that gone away. But yeah, I, I maybe rule, maybe I could talk to him and say, can we just come the first 10 minutes every day? You know, and then what happened with Osborne? He would say, yeah, you guys can come the first or the last, he'd say, you can come the last 10 minutes, but what would happen? We'd start pushing it. We'd come with a half hour left. God dang, I saw so much practice back in the day. Because you would then Tom would come over and say, you guys are a little too early. You need to knock it back. So we would for a while, and then a few days would pass. And we'd so go you, back to, you've ruined it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you're we'd saying. We'd go back to a half hour. All right. <laughs> when we come back, we'll close the show. We're going to talk some Big Ten football, spring storylines. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Final segment here of the Spring Football Preview Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, as uh, we talk some spring practice around the Big Ten. Um, Nebraska's kind of right with most of the programs. Uh, April 22nd is kind of your most common spring date. You've got a few that are going to take place on the 29th at Maryland and Rutgers, uh, Michigan. They're, they're like already done with spring. They're, they're going to be done on April one. Yeah. They started February 20th. 20th. Yeah. So they'll, they'll be the first one, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued about Iowa. Yeah. For a lot of reasons okay. um, because of kind of the off the field stuff, but then they, they have uh, Cade McNamara there as the quarterback. And I, I think a lot of their problems you know, you can say it's Brian Ferentz all you want. They haven't had good quarterback play. They've had some of the worst quarterback play Iowa's had, you know, the last couple of years with what with what they, you know, with Petrus and, and the guys they brought. So what will they look like with a new quarterback? With a new quarterback and will these distractions, these these distractions with a a settlement on the racial discrimination. The players probably don't even pay attention. Mm-hmm. I mean players Coaches do though. Um, it affected the coaches, and that can be that can be an issue, but probably not a big one with someone as grounded and weathered uh, as I mean. This Kirk, for instance, had to weather a lot of storms, um, and and has always done pretty well. So that yeah, that's interesting. You have a you have a lot of I mean, you have new coaches in the league too. I mean, you have uh, uh, starting with Wisconsin. So you so that's interesting. Illinois interesting, Purdue interesting. I mean, you're you got new guys. Yeah, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Not Illinois, by the way. Purdue. Um, he brought in three transfer quarterbacks. <laughs> there you so go. what what's that going to look like? Mm-hmm. And will Wisconsin still be Wisconsin? Are, That's the question. Are, you know, are they are they going to gimmick it up a little bit with what they do on off? I mean, are they going to get away from being like truly who they are, or will Luke Fickle? Make them look like everybody else. Yeah, and and that's kind of that, right? I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to. Is Wisconsin just going to look like everybody else now? Iowa doesn't look like everybody else. Wisconsin and Iowa don't look like everybody else. But is Wisconsin going to start gravitating away from that, right? That's what you wonder. Then you've got Penn State, a new quarterback, after um, Sean Clifford's 10-year career came to a close. Um, (laughs) I mean, Sean Clifford had been there forever. Yeah. Like – you think yeah, about six like, years. Yes, Trace six years. McSorley 
we were there in, was it 2017? Mm -hmm. I want to say Clifford started from 2018 after, after six years, yeah. 2018 yeah. all the way to 2022. Yeah. He's a six year player. So, yeah, they'll look different, but Penn State, I mean, they're loaded. Drew Aller, a former five star, will be the starting quarterback or projected to start for Penn State. Big so, arm guy, big um, arm guy. Big arm, not like Clifford didn't have a big arm. This guy's got a big arm. And I, I felt Clifford limited Penn State. This will be interesting because McSorley really brought them up to their highest level under James Franklin. They just won 11 games, Sean. They did, but they still don't beat Michigan and Ohio State. It's true, but they won 11. Cliff, Clifford was a lightning rod. I mean, he was. But if I'm Sean Clifford, I'm saying, well, I mean, isn't 11 games good enough for you? That's pretty good, right? Brett Bielema, Illinois. Yeah, he, um, he. They had the fewest amount of players in the Big Ten that went in the transfer portal. Is that right? So, like, they their their culture in Champaign is solid, mm -hmm. and and what will now what is year three for Bielema look like? Yeah, well, I mean, boy, I mean, you look at the you look at the the Big Ten West, and you won't be able to look at it much longer, but you can still look at the Big Ten West, and and once you say it is wide open, wide open. Last year, the West probably. The, this could be the last year of the West. Before they kind of yeah. go with the uh, made-for-TV schedules. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's what's going to be going on. I mean, like, they're going to the, – the new scheduling is going to be kind of TV-based. I don't know who you'd identify as the favorite right now in the West. Would it have to be Illinois? God. I don't – I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I – There's nothing obvious. I mean, Nebraska could break right and, and, and contend for the West. Minnesota. I mean, wow. there's – yeah. You could make a case for anybody in the West right now. Except probably Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern. Um, and Hit they had the skids. A, they had another coach leave. Like what? So what's going on there? I mean, I think the portal era has just been a – just destroyed Northwestern because you can't just take transfers at Northwestern. Right. That's got to be a big – you're right, Sean. That's got to be a huge challenge for them. That school – you know, if you're coming from a school with – you know, normal average grades, and they're just not, not going to let you get a Northwestern degree. You have to meet the academic criteria. And that's, you know, places like Notre Dame, Stanford, Vanderbilt, Northwestern, that's the one challenge I think they face in this portal era is how do they, you know, upgrade the rosters when the rules are different for them. It's really, really challenging. So, yeah, I mean, you look around, there's a lot. I mean, it's very intriguing um, you know, it's Michigan. Michigan's really intriguing. Can they can they repeat? Uh, I mean, Ohio State's got a ton back, but as you as you mentioned, the quarterback situation's unsolved. So there's a lot to look at. Spring now. Here's the thing about spring, though, Sean. It's not quite what it used to be in terms of importance and intrigue, because the rosters still change after the spring, right? You can spend a lot of time if you want learning a team's roster, and then go back in August, oh, well, they lost, they lost those guys. You know, so, I, I mean, it's, college football is kind of odd now. It's not quite like it used to be. Those magazines that come out in the summer, they got to wait to publish a long time, right? I mean, you might be reading those, one of those summer magazines that come out, Athlon. They try to get them out Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, there's still player movement sometimes. I think you and I are about the only people that still buy those things. <laughs> I don't th no, I don't. Th I think people buy them. I love them. I just, I think I, I still have one sitting on my kitchen table. Phil Steele's though, it comes out so late now because he waits for everything. Waits for all the movement. Waits for all the player movement. 
All right, I, and I want to close on Maryland. I think they're intriguing because Tagaloa's back. Yeah. Mike Loxley kind of got it going last year. Absolutely. He's got now – listen to his offensive coaches now. His offensive coordinator is Josh Gaddis. His co-offensive coordinator associate head coach is Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, that's – That's pretty formidable. He's got some offensive minds there. Yeah, I mean, it just – they have a very big staff. I mean, that, that's a big-time staff. Yeah, they come. They come to Lincoln. Yeah, Maryland will not. That will not be easy. Somebody asked on our chat a good question: which which game is tougher? Tougher the Minnesota game to start the season or Maryland coming? Probably Minnesota, but the one not thing, by much. Nebraska will have the element of surprise against Minnesota. True. Like if they can utilize the beginning of the oh, game, yeah. Oh, yeah. to get them off balance, yeah. that's how they win that game. Yeah. Absolutely. P.J. Fleck wants to jump up on you and bleed the clock. Right, absolutely. That's a good point, Sean. That's a great advantage for Nebraska potentially. And P.J. Fleck always got up on Nebraska. Finally, they got up on him this year in Lincoln, and then they they just weren't able to capitalize. Uh, the offenses kind of went stale, and then the defense was on the field too much because of that. And It kind of goes back to our conversation about what we can see in practice. I don't know. I mean, the element – of surprise can be diminished by a lot of media reports from practice. It can. Coaches read that stuff. Well, and let's they be honest, scour yeah. it. And here especially. Yeah. Like in Madison, there's like two people that might go to practice. Yeah. Here there'd be 40. Yeah. So if now going back to that original conversation, if you're rule, you're probably tightening it up. Element of surprise is important. All right. Well, it should be fun. Spring practice starts Monday, March 20th. So hope everyone's enjoying this uh kind of down week, spring break week here around UNL and around Lincoln Public Schools. And um, we'll have plenty of spring practice coverage on HuskerOnline.com. So if you're not a member, make sure you subscribe. Join $29.99, get you access through August 31st. Also, like and follow us here on the YouTube page. Or if you don't have time to watch us, you can download this same very show on anywhere you find podcasts. Just simply type in Husker Online. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 